We're going to continue our Browns conversation, a little bit of Cavs too, as we welcome in on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, the sports director over at News Channel 5, WEWS, a good friend of the show, good friend of mine, John Doss joining the show. What's going on, John? It's been a while, man. How you been? I uh, know you're getting me out of uh, urban air for about 10 to 15 minutes, so I'm happy. I'm excited about that, so thank you. <laughs> Anything to help you out, you know that. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll figure this out, Spencer, when yours is old enough to completely monopolize your time, especially on the weekends, that you value every 10 to 15 minutes you can get. Oh, yeah. No, you're 100% right. It's funny you bring this up because – uh, we just had a conversation last segment about how uh, among the many great things about being a parent, because there are a lot of blessings, uh, one, so of my, one of my <laughs> – you do this to me every time. You put me in a tight spot. One, <laughs> one of them for me, though, one of my favorite things, John, is that your children can become an excuse for literally everything. You don't feel good one day. You don't really want to go to work. Ah, uh, you know, kids are sick today. Just got to stay home. There's some friends who, like, want to go out some night, and you're just not feeling it. You just want to lay low for a weekend, uh, like a Saturday, like you said, mo- monopolize a day that you have off, and you can just kind of relax. Ah, uh, you know, we can't find a babysitter tonight, so I guess we're not coming. It's it's just the best. It's It's an easy excuse for everything. Especially now in 2023, following, you know, now years of a global pandemic, the kid is sick can get you out of literally anything. If we happen to ever go to another <laughs> world war and there is a draft, all you got to do is tell them your kid is sick. You're out of it. <laughs> That's an exemption. A get out of jail free card. If there's ever a draft again, kid's my sick. kid's sick. Oh, send this guy home. <laughs> oh my God. That's so true though. No, it really is. It's a, it's a get out of jail free card and one that I've already taken advantage of. And I'm sure I will many, many more times in the future. So yeah, we're, we're on the same page well, because with that. your child will be sick every 45 seconds. Oh, that's like every John, other child. We are dealing with that right now. My kid, is, uh, Jackson has been sick quite literally, I think four or five times since the new year turned. So it's, uh, it's not great. It's, it's just made its way through the house, made its way through the family. I get sick. Uh, the wife gets sick. We spread it to every single person and then we wash, rinse, repeat. It's the, it's a never ending process at this point. So yeah, join the club, buddy. Um, let's talk Cavs real quick here. Then we'll get into some Brown stuff because this is a massive week, obviously, for the Browns in terms of structuring the, the roster moving forward. And we are talking with John Doss here on the, on the hotline, uh, News Channel 5. But for the Cavs specifically, is, uh, we're going to learn a lot, I think, once we get to the playoffs about JB Bickerstaff. And I understand where some of the complaints come from at this point of some of his late game management and these things. I, I still say, like, he deserves at least a, a postseason appearance to sort of see if he can work out some of these kinks and see how he performs in that limelight. But do you think that JB Bickerstaff is the guy long-term for this group? Cause we know like certain personalities and certain coaches just fit different systems. Like with the Warriors is a good example. Mark Jackson was there and then they switched over to Steve Kerr and that was the right, you know, the, the missing piece of that recipe. We saw the same thing sort of with the Cavs here um, in the LeBron years where you go from Ty Lue, who was the right guy for that championship competing team, and then you kind of had to make a change because he wasn't the right guy to lead a young group. So do you think long-term JB is the answer here? That's a good comparison with Mark Jackson because, remember, the Warriors won like 50 games and went to the playoffs with Mark Jackson. They even won a series. Yeah, They won a playoff series, and uh, and the organization thought that Jackson had kind of peaked, right? And and they needed somebody to take them to the next level, and, and that worked out for them. 
I don't think I've ever seen a coach as polarizing, and this is hyperbole, obviously, as J.B. Bickerstaff. You have some people that believe Bickerstaff is the odds-on favorite for NBA coach of the year, and you have some people like Bill Simmons that think the guy should be out of a job. Mm. And I probably fall somewhere in the middle. I think that J.B. has grown along with these guys on his team, and then there are moments that are that are head-scratching and infuriating and, and show that, who knows, with you know, I said this the other night when they were playing Miami. If Eric Spolstra was the head coach of this Cavs team, how many wins would they have right now? Yeah. Right? And so yeah, I, I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I've, I'm with you that I think give him a playoff series. It's something he's never had. He only had the play-in games last year. Give him a, play, a playoff series with this team. But if they get another five-second call on an inbounds late in a ball game, I say <laughs> kick him out of town. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that is becoming a problem. It, 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 they got lucky. I, never, I said this the other night. I said, have there been more guys getting poked in the eye or five second inbounds calls? <laughs> that's, that's a very good question. If, if anybody has the answer, no. I mean they got lucky the other night because there was the foul call, which well, it was it was a foul. But yeah, I mean they got bailed out by that because it was another bad one as they tried to draw the inbound play. Yeah, it's it's an issue. And, and like I said, that's why I understand where fans are coming from when they complain about some of these things. But I do think he at least deserves the benefit of the doubt of let's see what he does. Because if we're, if we're willing to concede that the team needs to learn and grow through a playoff series, I think that it's fair to say that the coach does as well. Speaking of a playoff series, John, what team scares you the most of these teams that are kind of clustered together below the Cavs trying to get up to that five spot? Um, I've said for a while, and maybe the Heat are kind of an afterthought at this point, but I think the Heat is the one that would have scared me the most. Uh, obviously, the Raptors at a point were in that conversation because the Cavs just don't play them very well. But I, I, I think on some level, like the Knicks kind of became or were an afterthought even during that nine-game win streak, and people just don't really trust them because they're the Knicks. But I, in recent days, have kind of thought like I'm a little nervous about if we have to play that team. We shouldn't be nervous about any of those teams. Honestly. Not even the Knicks. The talent, the talent gap between the Cavaliers. And really, all of these teams have been beat them. Obviously, you got Jimmy Butler in Miami, uh, Trey Young in Atlanta. But the teams beneath them, the talent gap is so wide. The fact that we're even questioning whether or not the Cavaliers would struggle with any of these teams in the first round, I guess shows a lack of confidence that we have in J.B. Fingerstaff in this team, right? Because you're right, when they play playoff teams, they don't look as, as good as they do when they play the, uh, the bottom dwellers. I would say nobody. Honestly, nobody really worries me in the first round mm. as long as they stay in this four spot. Obviously, Brooklyn doesn't worry me. The Knicks, again, I just don't think that they have enough talent. I think ultimately in the postseason, Spencer, talent is the most important thing. When it comes down to it, who's going to hit the shot? Donovan Mitchell is going to be the best player on the floor. And probably what any of these first-round matchups save maybe Jimmy Butler in Miami. The question obviously gets, what do you do in the second round when you run up against a Philly or a Boston, teams that they haven't played all that well against? I know they've beaten Boston three times. Let's not kid ourselves and say two of them weren't fluky, uh, including the most recent one. So first-round series, I'm not all that worried, to be honest. And maybe maybe that's stupid on my part, but I'm most concerned what happens when they run up against mm-hmm. one of those top three teams. Yeah, You bring up Donovan Mitchell, I also think he's like, – there's no way – Donovan Mitchell is going to lose to the Knicks. Like, I just don't say it's, it's what they lacked, Spencer, in the play, the play-in series last year. And I think I've yeah. said this to you. When they played Atlanta, it was very clear there was one killer on the floor. 
there was one guy who was going to take your heart out and stomp on it, and that was Trey Young. Yeah. And he made those biggest shots when the game was the most important. The Cavaliers didn't have those guys. They had that guy now. And that guy is so important in the playoffs. I, I, I couldn't possibly see the Cavaliers losing to one of those teams in the first round. Talking with the sports director at News Channel 5, John Doss, joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at John Doss, J-O-N-D-O-S-S. Uh, let's shift to the Browns here. I, I sort of let off the show, and you mentioned hyperbole earlier. Maybe this is a little hyperbolic, but I, I believe this week is just so massive for the Browns that I was kind of calling it maybe the biggest non-game week for the Browns since they've returned to Cleveland just because of everything that's at stake. you got Kevin Stefanski's job, potentially Andrew Barry's job, uh, you're talking about for the first time in the last 25 years, this team having a franchise quarterback at the helm that they're trying to sort of build around. Also, you with coaching changes or GM changes comes personnel changes. And if you're not in the playoffs again next year, are you talking about a team that's losing to Miles Garrett because he's unhappy or is trading Nick Chubb? And despite that being a conversation now, it actually could come to fruition a year from now. So I think this week ahead is just so massive for the Browns in terms of acquiring talent that's going to take them to that next level. But where do you put this in comparison to the draft this year? Like, which one do you think matters more to the Browns this offseason, this week of free agency coming up? Or the draft, where we know they this team was built through the draft. I just don't know if they have time to wait around for guys to develop anymore. Well, I would say obviously free agency, right? Just at the simple for the simple reason that the cat or the uh, the Browns don't have a ton of draft picks. Certainly not a ton of early draft picks, uh, which are important. You know what's interesting? You say about Nick Chubb. I think that it's inevitable. I think that my gut is telling me this may be the last year we see Nick Chubb I for agree. so many different reasons. And um, one of the big reasons is because when you've got to pay a quarterback, but you're going to pay Deshaun Watson, you don't have the money to spend on that. So I'm looking at free agency because I want to see what wide receivers are available, who's available in the secondary, what linebackers are available, who's available on the interior and the exterior defensive line. I think that they have, honestly, a lot more holes this year than it has felt like they've had over the last couple of years. Yeah, And unless you're confident you're getting plug-and-play rookies for the second round and beyond, which you could probably get one or two, as we've seen Andrew Barry every year, I think the free agency is wildly important here. We're really because here he is. He's available for the whole season. Who wants to come here and play? Two more minutes with John Doss here on the hotline. So what would you say, you mentioned there being a number of holes to fill, maybe more than they've had in the past. What would you say is maybe priority number one for this team as we get ready for the eve of legal tampering to sort of open up tomorrow? It's going to depend on on what the team thinks about those wide receivers they drafted last year. We didn't see a lot of Bell, right? I I was hoping we'd see more of him last year. We saw a couple of glimpses late in the season – what do you feel about that wide receiving core? Because outside of Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, it is uh, relatively bare for all we know right now. If Deshaun Watson is the Deshaun Watson that was the MVP candidate, maybe that doesn't matter as much, right? Who knew any of those wide receivers that Kansas City won the Super Bowl with just uh, a couple of months ago? But I think they've got to give him more opportunities in the passing game. You got David Njoku, you got Cooper, you got DPJ. Give me another piece there. But, you know, it's the defensive line. The defensive line to me is a, is a mega issue outside of Miles Garrett. It's the two things you got to do protect the passer, rush the passer. We have 
a lot of confidence they're going to be able to protect the passer with what they're bringing back on the offensive line, but they got to figure out somebody else to get after the quarterback. Otherwise, Miles Garrett's going to see a lot of extra guys. You mentioned wide receivers obviously being a need, and uh, for obvious reasons, they have some obviously questions behind Amari Cooper, and I think Donovan Peoples-Jones has become a good player. I don't know if he's like your every down number two guy you went out there necessarily, and I do think that with the NFL today, we know it's a passing league. You're going to have to find some guys to sort of fill those fill that spot. What would uh, would does Odell Beckham Jr. do anything for you? We got the reports <laughs> that they attended his uh, his workout this week. Seems like they're still on good terms after the way things kind of fell apart here in Cleveland. It's the thing that's interesting about Odell to me, John, is just that people think they have him all figured out. Like there's this narrative out there that he's just this locker room cancer, and everywhere he goes, he just like burns bridges and sets the place on fire on his way out. But clearly, the Browns, by even attending his workout, are telling you that that's not true. And we know his teammates, don't, his former teammates, don't feel that way because they've all spoken very highly of him. Well, hindsight is is quite the incredible thing, isn't it? Um, here we are, a year and a half later, and there are no tears shed for Baker Mayfield in that face-off between he and Odell's father. One of the most wild things that i've ever experienced well there might be some out there for now over a decade yeah yeah we know how the city of cleveland (laughs) is sometimes but listen you're right the locker room loved odell beckham jr right save for baker mayfield and maybe one or two of the guys the locker room loved odell and and let's be honest there's no reason that he in the front office shouldn't still be on good terms the front office gave him exactly what he wanted when he wanted out and they did it at such a speed that allowed him to on with another team and oh by the way win a Super Bowl with the Rams so I think that their relationship would probably still be tenable to the fact that you could bring the guy back in my question is though after experiencing what they experienced last time and there's only a handful of people that are going to know to the extent what went on after Odell's dad took to social media and posted that video and how Odell acted and how Odell treated his teammates and how he treated the front office and all that in the immediate days that followed, there's only going to be a few people that know. One of those is Andrew Barry. And if he still feels confident in in that relationship and thinks that Odell Beckham Jr. can help them, then I can certainly see it happening. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it just based on the fallout and what happened and is it worth that, even revisiting and reopening any kind of wounds for a potential two or number three wide receiver. Mm. I see that I, I I like the perspective and that's a good point. I, it's just it's just interesting because uh, a couple years removed from that now, or I guess a year and a half removed from all that now, you're talking about a different quarterback. Clearly, the team also conceding that like yeah, Baker Mayfield clearly wasn't it, and they 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 <laughs> kind of agreed with Odell on the video that was posted and everything. But beside that's beside the point. Um, he fits like what you're hoping this offense becomes because. Sean Watson can work off script. He's going to get out of the pocket. He's going to try to do some things. And if you can have a guy like Odell who just kind of finds an opening over the middle and sits in it, that's exactly what Deshaun Watson wants. So it's it's just fascinating that this has all kind of come to a head. Um, again, not, not even two years removed from it all kind of falling apart as well. Well, despite you not wanting to Listen, do oh, – Spencer, Spencer, I want every single good player that the Browns can get. <laughs> well, that's where that I was going to go next. Every so. single good player. But that said – a personality like Odell. And look, I like Odell. I thought every time he interacted with us, for the most part, 
He was great. All of his teammates like him. That's great. Remember, it took his best friend being in Cleveland for Odell to really kind of agree to come to Cleveland. Jarvis Landry's not here anymore. What would an Odell Beckham situation look like when his best buddy isn't here in this city? I mean, is the guy really going to want to be here? If, say, the Browns offered him some kind of deal and they were the only team, well, at that point, then his hands are tied. But I would be even more wary without Jarvis Landry to have Odell here. Give me real quick, just like 30 seconds here, uh, the big-name player that you think would be the best fit here for Cleveland. It can be on either side of the ball. You can also, to take it one step further, specific to the receiver position, which of the receivers that they've been linked to do you yeah. like the most, and why is it Brandon Cooks? <laughs> I'd be interested to see exactly what the price tag is on Hopkins. I think all Browns fans are as well. So we'll see how it plays out. John Doss, Sports Director, News Channel 5, WEWS. You can follow him on Twitter, at John Doss. John with a just, – just J-O-N, John, by the way. No H in there. So keep that in mind if you're looking for him on Twitter. A lot of zingers in this one today. It was a fun one, John. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you as always. As always, Spence. Talk to you soon, buddy. Sounds good. Take it easy, my friend. John Doss, News Channel 5. Great stuff from him.